you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A.com. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by the Ford F-Series. DJ Bucky here. A little recap from uh, Sunday full of football action. Uh, Buck, man, it seems like uh, the more you think you know about this league, the, the less we actually really do know about this league. No, I mean, it's, it's it's crazy. Five weeks into the season, and I really don't think we know who's who and what's what at this point. Some of the teams that we thought would be contenders have fallen behind the mark. We'll say the Oakland Raiders, uh, the New York Giants are a team that we thought that would certainly be in the mix. There are a couple other teams that haven't played up to, to par, even the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so after five weeks, we're still trying to figure out if some of these teams can figure out their identity, but – there's some major surprises in the league so far. You know what I figured out? I just figured we were just a tiny bit off because we both we thought New York would have one good team, one really bad team. We just we got those two mixed up. We just got to uh, get a team wrong. We thought that we thought Los Angeles had one team ready to make a challenge in the division, another team that was still uh, pretty far off and a little ways away. Maybe we f- we switched those up as well. So I think we were close, man. We just had the wrong team in the, in the right city. Absolutely, we we're, we're in the neighborhood. We just didn't get the right house. <laughs> hey, this is what we're going to do today. We got our 10 takeaways. This is what we do uh, each and every Sunday night as we record this. Most of you are probably listening to this on a on a Monday morning. Uh, just a way to kind of recap the action that took place on a Sunday. And uh, the way we do this, do 10 takeaways. And today we got a little, we're adding a little spice to it here. We've got Sully doing some extra work for us here. Producer Sully has Bam. got some sound for us on each of our 10 topics. So you've been, uh, you've been getting after it today, buddy. We're proud of you. A little Emma Lagasse spice. Pow! Oh, Bam! Nice. It's a little spicy. <laughs> a little I spicy. like it. Let's get it. Well, let's, uh, let's jump right in here. First one for me, uh, we always start with the Sunday night game. And to me, the, the biggest takeaway from this game, there are several, but the biggest 
I think you have to go to the injury to J.J. Watt. And, uh, man, this was, uh, this was a real bummer to watch. He'll check out Scott. Renan Scarlett coming up the middle, and J.J. Watt is down. Slow to get up. He's at the 25-yard line face down. Texans get off the field on third down, but this could be extremely costly. And I'm not sure that he was hit, Mark. He was just in a pass rush Uh-oh. and just went down. Yeah, that was, uh, that was some brutal no- news there in that one, Buck. Uh, it was brutal. Um, you talk about a guy who is everything that you wanted to position. Um, outstanding player, great leader, excellent worker. And the fact that he fractures his leg, is out for the season, um, coming off the back surgery a year ago, um, it's unfortunate at this time. But you wonder, will we ever see the great J.J. Watt return again? Yeah, this is a, this is a tibial plateau fracture. And uh, our Ian Rappaport, I believe, has – has put it out there on Twitter that this is, is probably going to cost him the season, which is a, a real bummer for J.J. Watt. We brought it up not too long ago saying, man, I, I hope we're wrong. I hope this is not a Tiger Woods scenario where you see somebody just completely dominate his sport uh, and it's just kind of a brief run and then you know start with a back injury and other injuries kind of pile up and we never see the same guy. Man, I would I would hate it if we don't get to see that version of J.J. Watt we saw a couple years ago who really – Really dominated this league for what good three years. We finally got both of them together, him and Clowney. Been wishing yeah, for it briefly. Briefly, finally got them together, and then it's, it's that that train's off the track already. Yeah, oh, it's it's I mean, brutal. Yeah, it's tough because you're talking about an all-time great guy, uh, a guy who was obviously a talented player in his own right, three-time defensive player of the year, a guy who's kind of revolutionized the game as one of those inside pass rushers, but. Um, it's unfortunate, but we do know one thing about J.J. Watt. He will work his tail off to try and put himself in a position to get back. We'll just see if he can overcome a, what's kind of mounting a series of injuries that have kind of robbed him of some of the stuff that he used to be able to do. All right, Buck, why don't you uh, get us going with our, our second takeaway? What we got here? Well, anybody who watched the Sunday night game understands that Alex Smith is playing at a high level. He's really doing a great job playing the position. For Kendrick West in the lineup, Alex Smith scrambling left, trying to stay alive. Now fires it late for the end zone, caught to Kendrick West. I think he's got it. Touchdown! What, what's the deal, Buck? I mean, this is this is something that I, you've mentioned it a couple times about how there might be a blueprint in place for other teams to follow with, with how Alex Smith is being used here with Andy Reid. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a blueprint for teams that are going to take some of these spread quarterbacks to understand how to build an offense around them. You look at what Kansas City has done. They've basically modernized the spread offense that we see on Saturdays and put it into play where you can really use it and execute it on Sundays. Um, Got weapons around them. They got the fast playmakers that you need to make the spread offense go. And then you have a play caller who is not – Uh, afraid of kind of adding new elements. This is a team that is really exciting to watch because they do so many different things. You talk about the eye candy when it comes to the misdirection and fly sweep game, the shovel passes, the RPOs, the quarterback runs. They do everything that you see in college games, and this older quarterback is finding a way to continue to have success doing it. Yeah, I mean pushing the ball vertically, taking their shots early, kind of they they beat you up with the with the long ball, and then they come back. And it seems like the close of every game. We're seeing Kareem Hunt get some chunk plays at the end. So they kind of run the wheels off you a little bit down the field with the, with the speed with Tyreek Hill and 
Um, unfortunately, he had a big injury in this game to, uh, gosh, oh, man, it was awful. Did you see this Chris Conley injury? They, they showed it, and they showed it the slow motion. As I tore my Achilles, so I got to actually see what that looks like. You see it kind of like a fruit roll-up, just kind of roll up the back of his leg. Man, it was nasty. <laughs> no, I didn't get a chance to see that injury, Ooh. but I did read about it, and it's unfortunate because he was a really good player for them, uh, someone that wasn't necessarily one of their star players, but he was kind of counted on in those uh, key situations. So they have to find someone to replace him, but it's unfortunate that he popped his Achilles. Now, and then in that game, you talk about the blueprint. I mean, look, Deshaun Watson, I think that's nine touchdowns. Now he had five in this game. I know a couple of them came late in garbage time, but still, he's got nine touchdowns to the year, one on the ground in the last two weeks. So uh, following that blueprint, getting him comfortable, doing some things he did at Clemson, and, and when in doubt, just go ahead and find uh, find your number one target there, and that's something that he's done extremely well. Will Fuller's coming along as well. It's not just Hopkins. So those two, uh, they're going to be formidable group going forward. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about spread offense. They really ran a modernized version of what he did at Clemson. Uh, We saw all kinds of ghost motion, fly sweeps, a lot of things that he did really successfully at Clemson. The thing that we will continue to need to see from Deshaun Watson, can he adjust when the defenses finally catch up to some of the things that the Texans are doing? Yeah, no question. We'll see how that offensive line can hold up around him as well. Something to keep an eye on. So we had two takeaways there from that game. Uh, big Sunday nighter. Uh, congratulations to the Chiefs, 5-0, and and they are rolling. All right, number number three on the takeaway list, uh, it's that guy again, Aaron Rodgers. What, what do you know? He does the same thing over and over again. That's another rookie, Xavier Woods. This one, Adams, touchdown! They come right back to it. They come right back to the same route that they just threw on the previous down, and this time Rodgers puts it where he wants. Yeah, the previous ball could have been intercepted. It was uh, They tried back shoulder fade, and it was a little bit off target by Aaron Rodgers. Leads the, the epic comeback there against the Dallas Cowboys, and, and Buck, it just seemed like you had that much time left. Dak celebrated. They thought they had this thing won. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't think of anybody else I'd rather have. And I'm not just talking about currently in the NFL. If, if you told me you give me that ball in that situation, I can pick any quarterback. Um, I, I think I'm. I think I'm taking Aaron Rodgers. This is he's. He's got more tools at his disposal than anybody that I've ever seen at that position. Uh, he's unbelievable. We talk about quarterbacks coming in two categories, trucks and trailers. He is the ultimate truck. Uh, he carries that team. He's carried it when they don't have a defense. He's carried it when they've been missing some of their wide receivers. He carries it when they don't have the ability to put uh, two offensive tackles out there and they have to play with four guards and a center. He is the Green Bay Packers in terms of the way that he plays the game. He's a franchise quarterback. He is what we all look for when we're on the road looking for quarterbacks. This guy does it all. I mean, he just makes miracles happen whenever he has the ball. And all you can ask for from a franchise quarterback is to give you hope. He certainly gives you hope every time he gets the ball, no matter what the situation or circumstance is. Yeah, no question. One little uh, side note here. Aaron Jones, a rookie running back out of UTEP, they had drafted three running backs in Green Bay. He was the one that stepped up today. Went back and looked up my notes on him. I said, some teams really love this guy. He reminded me of Justin Forsett. He's slithery. Uh, He's quick. He's more of a one-speed guy, press the hole. He's a pause, peek, and go, uh, the way I described his his running style, but had over 100 yards today for the Packers. So uh, hats off to him. Did a nice job for that ball club. He did do a nice job. And, in fact, I would say he may be an upgrade over Todd Montgomery in terms of being just a pure running back. This is an offense that missed that element in the run game, and Todd Montgomery hasn't necessarily been able to give them that. Maybe Aaron Jones plays more and becomes a key contributor as they continue to build their identity on offense. All right, Buck, what we got? What's up next here? 
Uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger didn't have a great game and sounded like he might be done. I'm not playing well enough. You doing anything there? Don't think so, but maybe I am. Maybe I don't have it anymore. Whoa. <laughs> well, okay now. Uh, already. I saw you tweet about this, Buck. So, I mean, I know it, it caught your eye uh, with those comments. I know five picks for Ben. Not, not his best effort by any stretch. He's never had a game with five interceptions. We sat there and watched it live on Game Day Live. And, uh, man, he sounded pretty dejected after this was over. Yeah, he sounded pretty dejected. And I know he's being a little dismissive and probably sarcastic with those comments. But whenever you begin to put those comments out there in the atmosphere, it means that you have seriously kind of thought about walking away from the game. And we know that he kind of flirted with uh, possibly retiring. But now I'm beginning to wonder what is his mindset like? Because to play this game, you have to be all the way in. And the way he just talked about um, maybe he's not good enough, those things kind of peek into his, inside his soul. I don't know if Big Ben Roethlisberger is going to be the same. I don't know if he can get himself out of this phone because he doesn't appear to be all in, and they really need him to be all in if they can reach, if they're going to reach what we thought they could be. I'll tell you what, I went back and, and looked through his last 16 games. Um, so if you just go through his last 16 games and make that a season, 29 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. He's been sacked 20 times, but even really it's 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 – you know, it's probably the last eight or nine games. It's darn near even when you look at touchdowns, interceptions. Just you know, you have some, you have a five turnover game. That's gonna that's gonna skew the numbers a little bit. But man, they have not. You know, looking at the he did have 300 yards against Jacksonville. You got to go all the way back to a 400 yard game. Uh, I believe that was against the uh, that was against the Cowboys going back to last year. I mean, this is. It's been a it's been a drought. It has not been just a one game deal here with his frustration with Ben Roethlisberger kind of boiling over it. And I know uh, something we've talked about a bunch before. The, the other 04 quarterbacks, Eli and Philip Rivers, squaring off in the in the game won by the Chargers. But this 04 quarterback class, are we are we getting to the point where you wouldn't be shocked if if next year either all three of them decide to move on or or you know maybe even just hang it up? That was the Cowboys, by the way. That 400 yard game last year was it? Yeah, there you go. Yep. Yeah, so I, it's uh, I get the anytime you get a printout in Excel with no uh, with no lines on there, it's risky when you're trying to get <laughs> from the left to the right. It's a little bit uh, a little uh, bit dicey there, but nicely done, Sully. Nicely done, Sully. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think obviously there were conversations last year about these teams having to invest in the quarterback position in the draft. I mean, none of the teams really went big and went with a big pick on that. But I think it's time that we have to consider. And maybe we've been spoiled by the Tom Brady greatness, Tom Brady being able to play great uh, into his 40s. Most quarterbacks might – I mean, it's appearing that they don't have the ability to kind of sustain that level of success as they get older. I think for all of these franchises, the Steelers, the Chargers, the Giants, it's time to begin to identify who is going to be the next quarterback to drop in there and it may happen in the 2018 draft. Yeah, no question. It'll be interesting to see what those teams do in the offseason and see if the play maybe will turn around for those 4 QBs. All right, next one, number five on the list. We can go through this this one quickly. We've talked about this team a bunch. I think we've kind of done a good job of identifying what they're trying to do, but uh, they're building a bully down there in Jacksonville. He gives to Fernand. He's into the open field. He is into the open field in the Steeler territory. Watch this. Are you kidding me? Touchdown! Leonard Fournette just went 90 yards. <laughs> that was uh, that was the walk off there at the end of the game for Leonard Fournette. Kind of the exclamation point on that win 
for the Jags. This is a team now that's beat up the Baltimore Ravens, who are known as a physical ball club. They go to Pittsburgh, beat up the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have long been known as a physical organization. Bucky, to me, not even that long run that typified this this team and what Jacksonville was trying to do here. It was a play that we saw that highlight numerous times of Fournette running the ball. Why don't you describe that uh, that run where he was he had some directions for uh, for Mike Mitchell, I believe, when he was scooting down the field. Well, the one thing that we knew about Leonard Fournette coming out of LSU is that he was a tone setter, a tempo setter. The way that he played really uh, changed the way your team is viewed from an identity standpoint. He had a run late in the game where he gets to the second level as him and Mike Mitchell one-on-one, he waves him <laughs> over and tells him to come and get a look, come and look at this contact, and he runs through him. And I think what was telling about that is Leonard Fournette is a grown man, and we knew that watching him at LSU, but his ability to kind of lay that punishment on defenders changes the way that they come after him in the fourth quarter. I don't think it's a coincidence that we saw him break out in the latter stages of the game because he is a physical workhorse, and he really imposes his will on opponents. And I, w- I would love to put this tattoo. If you could put this tattoo uh, on everybody on the offense for the Jacksonville Jaguars, because this is the formula. It's the winning formula. If you're looking for the winning formula, it's 37-14. slash That's what that is, because it's 37 carries, and that's 14 passes in this ball game for Jacksonville. That's a formula for these guys. Look, Bortles threw for 95 yards, and they won a game going away 30-9. to You get two defensive scores. You know, he had an interception. really wasn't his fault. Shazier ended up uh, plucking it off of a, of a receiver and, and pulling it in. But uh, that's the formula for this football team, Buck. That if they can be 2-1, to one, run to pass, play great defense, they're going to win a lot of games. I think you have to remember in training camp, their coach, Doug Marone, said a perfect game for them would be zero pass attempts. And everyone kind of <laughs> laughed and snickered when he said that. But in the end, really, the Jacksonville Jaguars are playing the way they want to play. If they're able to kind of keep those pass attempts under 15, under 20 for Blake Bortles, we are seeing them win games like that. And when you start to win games like that, your team begins to believe this is who we are. We can run it at anybody and have success. Once they start having that kind of success on the ground, Look for these explosive plays to start popping up through the air. All right, before we get to number six here, one little side note I wanted to mention because I was looking through some numbers, and this just this just caught my eye. I thought this was pretty bizarre. We're not going to get too much into the Raiders. Derek Carr did not play today. But, uh, you know, Mari Cooper, Bucky, 12 catches this year. Antonio Brown and Juju – or, sorry, Antonio Brown and Lev Bell each caught 10 balls today. Oh, I mean, it's a problem. It's a, it's, it's a huge problem. It's a huge issue in Oakland. The issue is not only the play caller – in terms of trying to get the ball to Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper's not playing great. Amari Cooper had seven drops coming into this game. I don't know if he had one today, but what we're seeing is he is not getting open against elite corners on the outside. Whatever it is, he doesn't necessarily like the physicality when people kind of muscle him up. He is going to have to solve that issue, or week in, week out, he's going to see more defensive backs walk up and play nose-to-nose and dare him to beat him over top. Yeah, no, I was just took a little detour there, but I just thought that number was was pretty insane. What what uh, we're, we're at the halfway mark here. What's number six on the on the list today, Buck? You know, it always takes us three years to find out if a player can play or not. I'm beginning to believe that Nelson Aguilar is what we thought he was when he came into the league. He steps up. He is floating it deep, and it is caught by Aguilar at the twenty. Cuts back at the ten. At the five, he is in for the touchdown. He falls backwards, My a 72-yard bomb to Aguilar. 
Well, look, Bucky, this is something we've seen a bunch from Nelson Aguilar this year, making some plays down the field. We talked about it in training camp. Um, he's got his confidence back, and it looks like you, you mentioned that the Eagles maybe have the comeback player of the year, but for sure they've got a player that they thought they had when they drafted him back in 2015. Oh, for sure. He has been a stud for them. And settling into that role, he is the number three receiver on that team, meaning that Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey can get all the attention. He is able to do work against the number three cornerback, which appears to be a better fit for him. If he can continue to make these plays kind of away from the spotlight, it is just enough to keep this Eagles offense going. And when you look at the Eagles, I know Carson Wentz had a great game, but one of the biggest things that has really helped their offense, their ability to run the football. And as long as they can stay balanced with the defense that they have, they're going to be a tough out in the NFC. I went back and looked up some of my notes on Aguilar. First of all, he was just over six feet, 198 pounds, ran 442. Uh, I like the fact he was inside. He could play outside, burst his transition. You talk about somebody in and out of breaks was explosive, does a nice job working back to the quarterback. He's elusive, which we definitely saw on that touchdown, uh, being able to get away. And then I uh, thought he, he, he runs up on his toes a little bit, had kind of a unique running style. But, uh, man, he's, uh, he's coming to his own here for the Eagles and just in time as Carson Wentz is playing at a really high level. Let's, let's stay inside that division. This one, again, these aren't in any order of importance. Uh, when we put this list together, but just 10, 10 big takeaways. And this one uh, would probably be much higher on the list if you were a New York Giants fan. All the injuries the Giants have dealt with at wide receiver, and now it's Beckham who's down. They've lost Marshall. They've lost Shepard. They've lost Harris. Yeah, they lost four wide receivers in that game. I don't know who Eli had left to throw to. I'm anxious to see the tape uh, once uh, Beckham went out of the game here, Buck. But at this point in time, you're an 0-5 football team. If this is anything remotely serious, aren't you putting Odell Beckham on ice? Oh, I think he's done. I think even if the Giants don't do it, I think his representation should probably do it because uh, it's in his best interest to disappear, make sure he gets right and comes back being the same player that he was. Uh, when Odell Beckham decided to kind of forego the opportunity that he had to hold out and said that he was going to kind of come in and play in good faith. He put himself at risk. And with this injury, he runs the risk of never seeing that payday that he wanted because who knows if he'll return to the form that he had displayed his first couple of years in the league. Uh, this is a tough one because I think Odell is a great player. I think he's their franchise player. We'll have to see how it kind of all plays out down the road. Buck, I don't know about you. Is there anything more surprising than the Giants sitting here at 0-5 right now? No, it's the biggest surprise. I'm absolutely shocked. I was one of the guys that thought they had a run to the title in their future when they had Odell Beckham Jr. with Brandon Marshall and Sterling Shepard's development and then going to get Evan Ingram. I didn't think people would be able to stop their offense, and I was really sorely mistaken. They have not scared anybody. The injuries that are affecting that group, uh, I just can't see them getting off the mat. 0-5, I mean, I think you put a fork in them. Yeah, it's it's not a good situation there. All right, uh, what do we got next here? What's next on the list here, Buck? So, I mean, we talk about football being an easy game, like playing like a video game. Feed the pig. The Cincinnati Bengals have discovered that their best offense revolves around A.J. Green. And Dalton fakes to mix and throws it high and deep. A.J. Green catches at the Buffalo 40. Sprinting toward the middle of the field at the 15. 10, 5, touchdown! 77 yards. Andy Dalton finding A.J. Green, who roasted the rookie cornerback, Tredavious White. I felt bad for Tredavious White after this one was over, Buck. 
I mean, it was it was a tough day. I mean, AJ Green goes big, goes over 180 yards, makes a ton of big plays, uh, shows why he's one of the top five receivers in the league. The bigger thing is the Cincinnati Bengals' offense is back on track. I mean, they they look good. The ball is coming out of Andy Dalton's hands. Uh, Bill Lazor has really simplified the offense, put Andy back in that comfort zone. You're seeing a more aggressive player from the pocket, a more confident player from the pocket. That means he's being more decisive and more accurate. I like how the Bengals are trending. Even though they let a couple games slip early, they're beginning to look like the team that we thought would be uh, a problem in the AFC North. Well, having Vontez Perfect in the lineup, getting you 13 tackles, a sack, three TFLs, and a couple other rookies, uh, Jordan Willis getting a sack, Carl Lawson getting a sack. So you're going to see this group kind of grow together. You know Geno Atkins and and Johnson, they're going to be doing their thing and getting after the quarterback. So uh, they, they're going to get – this team, I think, you got to keep an eye on. Didn't start out well. Uh, they'll get healthy. They're getting healthy. they got some young guys. They're going to get more comfortable. I think we're going to see Joe Mixon continue to evolve in this offense and really come on. Uh, and, and the Bengals get right back in this thing. They're two and three uh, right now. Number nine on the takeaway list. Let's stay inside that division. And uh, how about this debut from Miles Garrett? McCowan waits, takes the snap, back to pass, and they're going to get a snap, and it's Miles Garrett right away. Third and eight, Josh back to pass, sets up, looks, he bootlegs it out to the left. He's going down, and it's Miles Garrett again. Well, he's got a doubleheader now. That's two. For the number one overall selection. Yeah, not a bad debut. Not a great game for the Cleveland Browns. They lose to the Jets 17-14. to But if you're looking for some good news as a Browns fan, I think you look at David Njoku and what he did offensively. A couple nice grabs, gets in the end zone. He's got three touchdowns on the year. Uh, but the big story to me, I think, for the Browns in this game, Miles Garrett, on a on a pitch count, Buck, goes out there and gets you two sacks. I think it's amazing. I think he flashed the, the talent that made him the number one overall pick. We saw Greg Williams do a great job of using him at a spot that wasn't his normal spot that we seen him in. Came from inside, got a sack on the first play that he's in. Then you see another hustle play and a hustle sack. So right away, two of the things that we wondered about his effort and where you necessarily play him, can you move him around and do some special things, he answered those splendidly in his debut. He's a guy that should be an impact player for a long time for the Browns. A couple more things I want to hit on this game before we move on. Stay with the Browns here real quick. Uh, are you with the decision to uh, to give Deshaun Kaiser the hook in this game? What are your thoughts there? I think it's stupid. I think what the Browns have done with the quarterback position the entire preseason has been uh, dumb. I don't understand why when so many of us felt like Deshaun Kaiser was a developmental prospect they decided they wanted to start him. So if you start him, then you have to live through some of those bad moments to kind of pull him and go back and forth and yo-yo him. I just don't know why anybody would feel confident that this group would be able to develop a number one quarterback if they finish last, get the number one pick, and maybe there's a quarterback that could be a franchise guy. I just don't know how you can trust him because they haven't shown the ability to develop a top pick or a talented quarterback. I just don't understand how to – I don't know any confidence this is, in them. This is my thing with Cleveland. I just – I come back to the same thing. I don't care. Look, sometimes you're going to have the right plan. Sometimes you're going to have the wrong plan. But you got to have a plan. And I, I just don't know what the plan was. If, Like you said, if you're going to throw Kaiser out there, you're committed to him. Sink or swim, we're going to go with this kid. Yeah, or if you want to say, hey, we're about trying to win games right now. Get You want to take our time with him. He's not ready to play. We're not going to rush him. We're not going to put him out there and have him fail. We're going to wait until he gets a little more comfortable, and then we can give him a better chance to succeed. We'll get some more players around him and help him out. Uh, but 
to me, to, to start him initially and then to have this yo-yo thing going makes absolutely no sense to me. No, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, just pulling him in and out of the game, no rhyme or reason. Like, look, he didn't play great, but there are a bunch of players that didn't play great for them. When you pull him out and then he has to stand in front of the lectern and talk to all the media members about why he came out, will he be the starter next week? I just think it's tough. I think that's something that uh, Hick just come in. They have to have a plan. They just have to stick with the plan and believe in the process. And right now, I don't know if anybody in Cleveland believes in their current process, and I think that could be the impetus of the problem. Well, here's here's the other thing side of this game we got to hit too before we move on to our last point. Um, the Jets sitting here at three and two, Buck. I've I've muted more Jets fans on Twitter uh, than any <laughs> other fan base because they keep wanting to come after me because I I had quoted a, a personnel executive saying this was the worst roster he'd seen in a decade. Um, I thought they they were a lock to be the number one pick, and they've gone out and they've won three games. I tip my cap to them. The the Jets are better than I thought they would be. I just want to remind those Jets fans, though, real quick, you just beat the Cleveland Browns by three points in a game in which you produced 212 yards of offense, a game in which the Cleveland Browns were inside your five-yard line twice, got zero points, a game in which the Cleveland Browns missed two field goals. And this is a Cleveland Browns team, Bucky, that has lost 30 of the last 32 games. So spare me that the Jets are all some great football team. I'm not I'm not buying that, but I will say they're better than I thought they would be. Well, I mean, I think they're playing better. And I think the reason that Jet fans can be encouraged is because it's, it's all about the defense. You think about the last few picks they've had, those guys have stepped up and delivered from Leonard Williams to Darren Lee to Marcus May and Jamal Adams. They've changed kind of the attitude on that side of the ball. On offense, Josh McCown has been the steady leader. Uh, they still don't have any blue-chip players at running back and wide receiver, but they got some workmen-like guys that have been able to get some things done. So as long as they continue to take care of the football and play the right way, they're going to be in far more games than they lose. Yeah, and Josh McCown won a game in Cleveland, something he he wasn't able to do as the Browns quarterback. He comes back with the Jets, though, and gets that done. And I Josh is one of the great dudes in the NFL. Couldn't be happier for him. Uh, and the success that he's enjoying so far this season with the Jets. All right, final one, Buck. Uh, this uh, this guy won an MVP a couple years ago, and we thought, well, what happened to him? Well, I think it's safe to say Cam Newton's back. Pumps once, lofts a pass, end zone, left side. Benjamin reaches out, makes the catch. Yeah. Touchdown! <laughs> Benjamin is beautiful! Yeah, Calvin Benjamin, the uh, the biggest wide receiver in the NFL there, Buck? What do you think? That's a, that's a big touchdown, but this game, to me, was all about the guy throwing him the rock, Cam Newton. Oh, it is all about the guy throwing the rock, Cam Newton. I think the Carolina Panthers have quickly discovered the best way to get Cam back to 2015 is to have a playbook that looks like the 2015 <laughs> playbook. We're seeing the quarterback design runs. We're seeing the options. We're seeing him throw quick rhythm throws that are a little more down the field. Look, I understand what they're trying to do, protect him and kind of make it a dink and dunk thing to make it easy. But Cam Newton is what he is. And I think you're just going to have to go down with him being a runner and a big arm thrower. And however long that lasts, it lasts. But you got seven years thus far. If you get 10, I think you have to be satisfied with what he is. But I know now that he only needs to play in an offense that is catered to his skill set like this one. How about just going back through his his previous few games here? You start off with a big win over the Niners. Let's throw that one out. They're a team that hasn't won a game yet. They go to Buffalo, or they play Buffalo at home. They win a game 9-3. to Okay, No touchdowns for Cam. Those were 228 yards. Next game, they played New Orleans with a defense we all thought was terrible. Cam, no touchdowns, three picks, only throws for a buck 67. And everybody is saying, what is wrong with Cam Newton? The shoulder doesn't look right. 
He's never going to be the same guy we saw in that MVP season. He just It's not going to work. And then he comes back-to-back weeks against the Patriots and the Lions. Two wins, combines for six touchdowns, one pick. Throws for 316 against New England, 355 against Detroit. Uh, averaging over 10 yards in attempt. Buck, he's, he's, he's dialed in right now. He is dialed in right now. And, you know, I think it's funny that it always appears to be a conversation about Cam Newton's job because of all the other stuff and because he's such a polarizing uh, player starting in college all the way up. But when you look at how this offense is able to complement the defense, it's because Cam Newton is the ultimate pass-first point guard. He can hit you a bunch of different ways. Um, If he needs to go and get one on his own, get a bucket on his own, he can do that because he's an outstanding runner. The Carolina Panthers' offense is more diverse and dynamic when he is a centerpiece as a runner. They realized that. They made the adjustment on the fly. I think it's working out well for them. This next game will be a statement game to let us know how real the Panthers are. No question. Well, look, that was uh, that was efficient, man. We got some highlights. We got some sound rolling through here. We got our Big Ten takeaways done. Buck, is there anything we've missed? Is there anything you want to add to the mix here? One little thing. I was very impressed with the L.A. Rams today and the way they went toe-to-toe with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I know we've kind of penciled in the Seattle Seahawks in that division, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the Rams make a run because Sean McVay has this team firing on all Three cylinders, offense, defense, special teams. They're making plays. Now they just got to learn how to finish games. If they do that, I mean, anything can happen for them. There's zero chance that Sully doesn't try and pipe in right now because he just said the Rams are better than the Seahawks. I'm just saying. No, I did not say that. Uh, No, no, no. no. Uh, I get what he's saying, and I completely agree with him on on that point. Um, But what I would bring takeaway from that game, and Bucky brought it up on Twitter, Richardson, big ad for that Seattle defense. He showed up in a big, big way today for them. I mean, it's finally coming around. I mean, they brought him in because they wanted to put him alongside Michael Bennett. You have Frank Clark, Cliff Averill. They have eight pro bowlers on that defense. What you saw today, that defense is going to have to carry him because their offense is never going to give them major contributions. This team will go as far as that defense can carry them. And if we talk about defenses winning championships, who knows if the Seattle Seahawks can get there. Yeah, look, uh, it's good stuff there. I'll tell you what, uh, two Pro Bowlers I've got in the studio back there, Bucky and Sully, doing nice work for us here. <laughs> yes, sir. On Thank the you. Takeaway pod. <laughs> Nicely done, boys. All right, hey, let's uh, let's get back together in a couple days, do this all over again. We've got the Tuesday, Thursday pods coming, and uh, we've got some college football to recap. We've got some NFL to preview. Uh, lots to get to, but this was a lot of fun, guys. Nicely done. I think we're uh, getting a little bit uh, better at this thing, getting the hang of this takeaway podcast. We'll continue to keep them rolling. That's going to do it for us tonight or this morning, whenever you're, uh, this is gracing your ears. But uh, we appreciate you guys checking us out. This has been Move the Sticks presented by the Ford F-Series. DJ Bucky, we'll see you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.